0: Welcome back to the Totally Buggin' Podcast, the podcast about all things creepy crawly. We are your host organisms, Cami and Faith. We're coming up on the end of February, which is Black History Month in the United States. Mm -hmm. The contributions of scientists from marginalized groups, especially from Black scientists, are often left out of our history books and not given the recognition and reverence that they deserve. Faith and I are two white girls, and because of our privilege, we are able to be ignorant of the struggles that Black scientists and Black Americans as a whole experience. We tend to remind listeners that we are not experts in the topics that we cover in our episodes, and this is doubly true for today. We hope that we'll be able to highlight a really interesting Black scientist, but we are not able to speak for the black experience. With that in mind, I want to try to highlight one black entomologist from history, his discoveries, and the impact that he had on the field. I hope to do some more episodes in the future highlighting some diverse entomologists from history. Their lives should not only be discussed and honored during the shortest month of the year. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I first heard about Charles H. Turner from a Twitter thread by Jules Howard which was retweeted by the Entomological Society of America Twitter account, mm-hmm. and that's how this was brought to my attention. This just goes to show the failures of our education mm-hmm. that I learned about him through a Twitter thread and not in the classroom. Absolutely. When Cammie uh, told me about this, like, hey, do you know about
1: um, Charles H. Turner? Charles H. Charles H. Turner. Do you, she said, do you know anything about him? And I said, No. Like, who, who is that? I basically said, who? And you were like, oh, okay, that's what our episode is going to be about. Mm-hmm. Like, it just goes to show that who we learn about in education is It's sometimes... based on
0: the person who's writing the histories. Absolutely. And who they think that it's okay to ignore. Yeah. We also had a little bit of a brief discussion about learning about Black scientists in school. Mm-hmm. And the only... Black scientist I could think of that I did learn about formally in school Mm -hmm. was George Washington Carver. I didn't learn about them formally at all. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, and and the way that his contributions were taught Mm -hmm. were basically totally minimalizing them. This isn't a George Washington Carver episode, Mm -hmm. but. He's taught as being the peanut guy. He loved peanuts, so he came up with a bunch of different ways for us to use peanuts. He invented a bunch of peanut products. He was an agricultural scientist, and yeah. he was trying to find new ways for peanuts to be used as an alternative crop to cotton that would yeah. be better for the health of the
1: soil. Yeah, way to minimize mm-hmm. you know, someone's someone extremely intelligent like just minimize their work. They made him sound like a weirdo
0: who really likes peanut butter sandwiches.
1: Yeah, not an actual agricultural scientist Mm -hmm. who when you describe him like that, like, oh he really likes peanuts, he sounds more he sounds more like a an eccentric. An eccentric or like a business person or even like a food scientist. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think I wouldn't think agriculture.
0: Right. So this episode is not about George Washington Carver. I just wanted to highlight that particular example, mm-hmm. because when we were planning for this episode, that was an area of discussion that I thought gave a good example of how little we really learn about the contributions of black scientists and black people in general. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the basic biography of Charles Henry Turner, and then I will get into his amazing contributions to the entomological field. Okay. Okay. Charles Henry Turner was born on February 3rd, 1867 in Mm -hmm. Cincinnati. This was two years after the end of the Civil War, just for some historical context. So turbulent times in history, you would say. Oh, yeah, Reconstruction Era. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was a very smart kid and was the valedictorian of his high school class. And I bet his graduation speech was way better than mine. (laughs) And I'm sure, you know what, I can say with 100% certainty that he didn't quote Buffy the Vampire Slayer in his graduation speech. You spoke at graduation? I was valedictorian, babe. He earned a Bachelor of Science in Biology and a Master's of Science from the University of Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. When he graduated from his master's program in 1892, okay. he became the first African-American to earn a graduate degree from that university. Good for him. Yeah. He would eventually earn a PhD in zoology, which he was awarded magna cum laude, from the University of Chicago in 1907. And he was the only the third African-American to earn an advanced degree at that institution. So, like, literally a pioneer
1: and, like, the first... In, in his first institution, the first black
0: student to get a master's degree, and then mm-hmm. the third. Uh, the third to get an advanced degree of any kind from yeah. the University of Chicago. I believe the first was W.E.B. DuBois. Due to racism, he had trouble finding a teaching job at an American university with the resources befitting of a scientist of his experience and caliber. Dr. Turner also made a strong effort to teach and encourage young black students. Mm -hmm. So he taught at local schools while he was pursuing his degrees. He had to really fight for the ability to train research students, which was denied to him at predominantly white institutions. So he chose to teach mostly at predominantly black colleges, Mm -hmm. despite much lower pay and much more limited resources.
1: Yeah, because you said 1907 so mm-hmm. segregation is still very much a thing and will be a thing for at least 50 more years
0: probably more just 50
1: i was er, oh, man
0: probably 70 or like 70 yeah. years 70 segregation years. still exists to a degree today not necessarily like in the laws but like if you look at school districting and um Political districts; those are segregated. I'm getting my mind blown right now. <laughs> yeah, um, there's there's a lot of things that we don't get taught. Yeah, as part uh, of our history, absolutely, mm-hmm. because it's uncomfortable. Yeah, which is which is probably a good indication that you should be learning about mm-hmm. it. And we'll talk about it in a moment. But Dr. Turner would really be in in favor of. Increased education about the darker aspects of the history of racism in the United States. Yeah. He was a leader in the St. Louis civil rights movement at the turn of the century. He argued that the behavior of racists can be changed only through education and suggested the study of racism through a framework of comparative psychology. He applied what he learned from his insect experiments to this idea. He talked about how it's not so different from the ways that. The insects that he would work with yeah. were able to learn. Mm-hmm. And so that's going to get me into the major discoveries that he made over the course of his career. Yeah. Just as a bit of scientific historical context, this is during the time that the nature versus nurture debate was very strongly raging in American scientific communi- communities. Mm-hmm.
1: I love a good. I love a good nature versus nurture debate. Can you explain what that means? So, uh, nature versus nurture is the uh, like scientific concept um, whether your like nature, what you're brought or no, what you're like biologically uh, born with will outweigh the environment that you're put in or you're nurturing. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's a big debate between scientists whether nature versus nurture. Um, will win out in certain situations. Um, And many different scientists, especially uh, in the time period you're talking about, had um, decent evidence and experiments explaining why nature or nurture was better, which Mm -hmm. is pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, and nature was kind of winning out in terms of the common thinking about insects. It was believed that insects did not have independent thought, that all of their actions were based purely on instinct. But Dr. Turner was able to be the person to show us that insects are capable of learning and yeah. complex uh, problem solving and thought. Mm-hmm. He published more than 70 papers during his career, including three in the journal Science, yeah. which is the big one. Yeah, the big It's very impressive to get one in there, much less three. Yeah. Um, research papers also take about a zillion years to write, and I imagine Absolutely. it must have been very hard to get them published back then. Yeah. Especially when he didn't have the support of a major US institution mm-hmm. to back him up. The research that he conducted. A lot of what he did was he designed some really interesting novel methods mm-hmm. for testing honeybee vision and learning ability in cockroaches and ants. So Ooh. he designed some maze apparatuses mm-hmm. for the learning ability experiments for the cockroaches and the ants. Mm-hmm. And he devised a series of colored discs for testing honeybee vision. Mm-hmm. He's believed to be the first to use Pavlovian conditioning on an invertebrate.
1: Oh, cool. Um, Should we explain what uh, Pavlonian conditioning means? Pavlovian? Yes. Yeah. Be my guest. So basically, there's this story about uh, Pavlov's dogs, Mm -hmm. and he was a psychologist, Mm I believe. Okay. He was a psychologist who um, trained his dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell um, over the course of many different... Or not different, but many like trial and error. He would ring the bell and then give his dogs a treat, and eventually he had conditioned his dogs to salivate at the sound of the
0: bell, even in the absence of food.
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. they wouldn't get they wouldn't get the treat anymore, but they still salivate. And um, many scientists
0: uh, can demonstrate this in other animals. Mm-hmm. Yes, so Charles H. Turner was the first to use Pavlovian conditioning on an invertebrate. Uh, He also devised new procedures to study pattern and color recognition in honeybees. He had a bunch of different shape and color receptacles that he put food in some of them and didn't put food in others. Mm -hmm. And through trial and error, the honeybees learned to seek out shapes that resembled the pattern and color of the ones that had food Yeah. even several days later. So they were able to recognize that pattern and they would seek out those receptacles that looked like that. Yeah. So this was to test out whether there was a visual component to the ability of a honeybee to find a food source or if yeah. it was just based on instinct and scent. Mm-hmm. Which is... So now we know that there's a lot to do with the color and the pattern of the flower Mm -hmm. that attracts the honeybees. He also recorded the ability of spiders to alter webs according to geometric shape in a way that was unique to each individual, showing that their construction involves intelligence, not just instinct. Oh, so like a uh, snowflake pattern? Like it's
1: different uh, from spider to spider?
0: Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, And then he also proved that insects can hear and recognize patterns. Can hear? Like mm-hmm. hearing? Yeah. Oh, cool, I didn't know that. Well, I knew they he-
1: could hear, but like recognize, I feel like there's a difference between hearing and like being able to rec- like recognize and demonstrate hearing patterns, I
0: guess. Yeah, he, I believe the story for this experiment is mm-hmm. that he had some moths and he was testing their ability to hear mm-hmm. a particular sound. And for most of the moths, he believed that they were able to hear it. Mm -hmm. But then he had this one group of moths that would not... They were completely indifferent to the sound. Mm -hmm. And he thought that they could hear it, but they weren't responding to it. Yeah. So to show that they could hear, he would treat the moths kind of roughly. He would Mm -hmm. kind of rough them up (laughs) when he was playing that Mm -hmm. particular recording. Yeah. And then he later would play the same sound, and the moths would fly away, even when he wasn't trying to bother them. That
1: is so cool. Mm-hmm. So they could they could hear it, and they were just
0: ignoring him. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. They weren't in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't want to be bothered. Yeah. He also had uh, an emphasis on training variables beyond what was common in the, at the time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of his studies still hold a lot of weight today, even yeah. though we don't necessarily think about his contributions all that often. He also conducted some anatomical studies of avian and crustacean brains. I'm going to talk about his legacy now. He died on Valentine's Day in 1923 at the age of 56 Which just makes me think about how much more he could have discovered if he had more time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And more resources, too. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, His civil rights contributions led to social services being established in St. Louis for African Americans. Yeah. There was also a... School that was opened in his honor called the Charles Henry Turner Open Air School for Crippled Children, which was open in 1925. Mm -hmm. The name was later changed to Turner Middle School. Still in his honor, but the phrasing's a little bit more delicate. Mm -hmm. He taught at Clark College, and in 1962, the leaders at Clark College named Turner Tanner Hall for him. Mm -hmm. And the circling behavior that is exhibited by ants is called. Turner circling after him. That's cool. At least he Mm -hmm. has, um, like,
1: a lot of scientists name stuff after them. Yeah. So
0: at least this, like, scientific thing is attributed to him. Yeah, this was just some French guy who named it Turner circling. Yeah. So all of these things led to a greater understanding of the ability to study insect behavior. Absolutely, yeah. So insect behavioral sciences... He basically completely invented that field. Yeah, and he is a lot of times overlooked in the literature in recent papers mm-hmm. that are building off of his
1: experiments. So he's like not—he's not credited, probably, or maybe even mentioned.
0: Well, a lot of the people who are working in that field just don't know about him. So it's not—it's not, not necessarily always an intentional—it's an ignorance. overlooking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's all I have about Charles Turner. I hope that you were able to gain some understanding of a really interesting scientist who pretty much completely changed the entomology field. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we will be able to have fewer scientists be overlooked like this due mm-hmm. to racism and other forms of bigotry in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Especially mm-hmm. since he
1: contributed so much uh, to science in general, entomology, and um, his community, it sounds like.
0: I was shocked by the fact that I did not
1: know about this guy. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall being taught about um, any black scientists, like specifically scientists, if many black... Uh, like historical figures at all. Which I is,
0: could only think of the one. Yeah, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully, in future years, and honestly, in the present, mm-hmm. that will start to change. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it makes me sad to think that this man had such a great contribution to everything that entomologists do now mm-hmm. and he is not given the credit or respect that he deserves he should be on the same level as uh, Alexander Fleming and yeah. he should be honestly the same level as Pavlov mm-hmm. we should recognize his name Absolutely. and we don't yeah mm-hmm so, we're going to hopefully come back to some other overlooked scientists in the field of entomology in the future, not just during Black History Month. But we hope that you had a good February and hope that we will be able to continue to learn together. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.